We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. And now, for our audience around the world, we have a many considered to be the best pound-for-pound boxer of all time. Not just a champion in boxing, a champion in life. In boxing, he was the middleweight, the super middleweight, the light heavyweight, and a heavyweight title holder. He's the only boxer in history to start his professional career at light middleweight to go on to win a heavyweight title and represented proudly America, the USA, in the 1988 Summer Olympics. Let's bring on... Someone I consider a lot. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Longtime friend, a great commentator on HBO, and one of the greatest boxers ever to set foot in the squared ring. Roy Jones Jr. Hi, Roy. Hey, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing great. It's great to have Thank you on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> my pleasure, Roy. My pleasure. Roy, do you ever stop? You're still stepping in the squared ring. You're still getting in there to do what you do better than most people ever dream of. I have to ask you, you're fighting Scott Sigmund at the Pensacola Bay Center on Thursday, February the 8th. Um, very excited about this. Roy, what is your motivation? What keeps you going? I know you're a winner. I know you're a competitor, but I got to hear it from you. Okay, let me give you if there's two versions of that. The first thing that keeps me going is the fact that God blessed me with a talent and an ability to achieve something that not many people are able to achieve and to be so unique at a sport that, that I never knew that I could become so unique at. And with that blessing in itself, it's like you don't want to take that blessing and throw it in too fast and be like, okay, I'm done just because people say I should be done. So that's the first thing that keeps me done. The second thing is a very small thing, and it's so crazy because it's just like today. You know, yesterday, I mean, I went to go get my blood work. Um, the, the women that did the blood work, they looked at my arm, they looked at my body, they looked at my blood work, and they were like, wow, why are you stopping now? And I'm like, I'm 49 years old. What you mean, why am I stopping now? They said, but you look better than most 29-year-olds that we see coming in, so why stop now? <laughs> but two, two to them, they don't really understand the danger that's involved in boxing if you keep going, if you stay too long, and the fact that the, the risk is not adding up to the reward, reward I mean, the, the risk is outweighing the reward in most cases now. So 
that's the part that lets that makes me have to say, hey, you got to look at this from a different point of view. If they were paying you that kind of money to take those risks, then true. But if they're not paying you that kind of money to take a risk, then you shouldn't be taking those type of risks. And that's just what the facts are because you took your risk, you did your time, you did your bid, you did what you had to do when it was time to take risks. Now it's time for you to reap the benefits of the risk that you've already taken. You shouldn't be able to take risks and not be well rewarded for those risks. So if it's not a rewarding risk, why would you take it? So that's why I know it's time for me to stop. But I love it. The motivation is the fact that God blessed me with it. I can do it way better than 99.9% of people that do it do it. So that that was my that was always my driving motivation, my gift from God. I think that gift from God is worthy. I, I take everything you say to heart, and I fully understand. I think it's a great explanation. Your opponent named Scott Sigmund. What can we expect from him? Uh, what do you know about Scott as far as your game plan and, and taking him out or, or taking him well, along the rounds? Yeah, he's, a, he's a powerful, he's, he's a straight-ahead forward guy. He's a pressure fighter. You know, he's not necessarily the most powerful guy, but every guy has power in 10 out of clubs, and he's a pressure fighter. So with him being a pressure fighter, he's going to try to push, which is smart. You, know, you fight an older fighter, you try to push him, make him go into rounds, uh, being more fatigued than he used to being, and try to get you worn down because you're the older fighter. So I know his goal is to try to come in, push the fight, make it an ugly fight for me, and try to wear me at, wear me down before I can get him out. So, I mean, it's a beautiful thing on his part, a beautiful failure, but it's a beautiful thought, you know. So. Right. And do you have an ultimate goal in boxing? I mean, do you have a, a long-range goal uh, for this continued path that you're taking? No, my goal is, like, my goal is, as always, is just do the best that I can do while I'm doing it, make sure I have to use my ability to the best of it, make sure I get every ounce of blessing out of my blessing that God gave me, then call it a day. TJ? Roy, looking at this fight, um, it, it, it's, it's a great fight. Don't get me wrong. We're celebrating your career, and it's on UFC Fight Pass. But with the affiliation of UFC Fight Pass, it makes me start thinking about when Anderson Silva was talking about fighting you. And, and I draw a correlation between you and Anderson and, and what we saw last summer with Mayweather and McGregor. I, I'm curious in your mind, if you ever thought what would happen if you did fight Anderson Silva, do you think it would have been uh, at all anywhere near the type of hyped fight, the celebration of both boxing and mixed martial arts had you? you ever squared off with Anderson in the squared circle? Of course it would have, and it still will be. And the reason being is because Anderson Silva had real boxing experience. Uh, we were the first ones to come up with that concept, which is why you know, it was like it was so good that they were able to, 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 to uh, eat off of it because it was our original idea. Um, with us, it would have been just as big because he was a superstar at it, he was a showman at it, I was a superstar at it, I am a showman at it. So it's like it was been a, a really big situation because he, with boxing skills and having boxing experience already, had much more of a idea of what he was getting himself into than did uh, say uh, McGregor. So with that being said, that is still a fight that people would love to see because they know that he copied a lot of my moves into his game, and to do that he had to study a lot of me, so he knows me very well, which means that I would have to go change up and either figure out some new moves or figure out a way to re. Re, uh, do, re, 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 rewrite my, my old moves in order to make him work on him because he knows them all because he studied me in and out. So that would have been a huge event more so than a boxing match, just like how McGregor Mayweather was a huge event much more than it was a boxing match. The event part of it is what makes it so big, and Anderson still has fans. I still have fans. Having the UFC fight pass on board to promote it, we still could make for one hell of an event if we made that happen. And that's the only thing that I'll be really, really willing, willing to want to come out of retirement and do.
Now that is the answer to my last question that I I was waiting to hear because honestly, Roy, I don't know anybody in mixed martial arts or boxing because all boxing fans love to see boxers uh, reign over MMA uh, fighters as MMA fighters want to see them reign over boxers in a event that's either boxing or MMA. But there isn't one of us or one of the boxing fans of which, you know, I'm a huge boxing fan, of course, um, that uh, would not want to see you and, and Anderson Silva go at it. So there's a short or long range goal. There we go. There we go. My point. So why not, why not us just set this goal? Um, to be honest with you, Dana gave me his word in so many words that he would let it happen after, after his suspension is up. So that's why if he says that, I believe him. And if that's the case, I'm going to stay in shape just in case it does because that would be a long-range goal. That would be a beautiful situation uh, for us all to accomplish. And with him going into boxing with the Zufa Boxer, it would also be a great thing for them. Absolutely. And you know what? It's a great, i got to be a little uh, uh, selfish here. It's a great thing for me, Roy. I am such a huge fan of yours over the years. Um, and the chance to – and I'm sorry – you know, I manage my brother, Michael Buffer, the great Michael Buffer's career, um, who has announced most every one of your fights. Uh, but gosh, for me to have the chance and the honor to introduce you, given the chance fighting Anderson Silva, this is a dream and a goal of mine, a bucket list that will be fulfilled. So I'm being a little selfish here, but I'm wishing you, know, you all the best at the same time. You're doing good. I appreciate it, uh, Bruce. And what you should do is do the same thing I'm doing. Let's stay on um, um stay on Dana and make, him, make sure he makes it happen. And I think it'll be a beautiful blessing for all of us. I will be probably seeing Dana in Australia this weekend in Perth, where I'm doing UFC 221. We will be having a little conversation. I have to be a little elated over this, no question. Let's. So there, there it is, and hopefully there it will be. Now, Roy, I know I know you got to go because you're training and all. Just a couple more questions. Floyd fought Connor last year, as we all know. I came public and said, you know what? We all got our hundred dollars worth of entertainment. In a nutshell, what did you think? Were you, were you happy with that when it did happen? And what did you actually think about the fight, if I may ask we you? We all got, the, everybody that paid for it got their $100 with the entertainment, just like you said. It was an event. It wasn't about a boxing match. It wasn't about a win or lose. Everybody, if you didn't know Floyd was going to win the boxing match going in, being that Floyd was pound pound the best fighter fighting at that time, at his peak of his career, and he fighting a guy who never had a, a four-round professional fight, let alone a six, eight, or ten-round professional fight. If you thought that guy was going to beat Floyd Mayweather, then you're crazy. So we got our money worth out of it. You're right. Floyd gave us everything we could have asked for. He uh, he extended long enough for us to enjoy our money's worth out of it. Um, he did everything you could have asked for if, they, if you were looking for an event and, and being truthful with yourself about the event. It was a great event for everybody because the people got to come together. The masses got to come together and see what they wanted to see. Uh, a lot of questions got answered that some people didn't really know. So I thought it was a beautiful event. Absolutely agree with you. And what do you think about Floyd even considering fighting an MMA fight? And before you answer, I remember back when we were working at K1 together years ago and you were commenting and commentating, and it was your first one. And I remember when those leg kicks started happening, and I said, Roy, you want to do that? And your eyes looked at me like, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but I mean, so, to each his own. To each his own. Maybe him and Conor made a pact that you know after they did the boxing, they might talk themselves into a UFC one too. So who knows? That's on them. I wouldn't be wasting my time with it, but that's on them. I got gotcha. you, Roy. Is there anything you want to share with us where people can hey. uh, follow you on social media? Anything you want to do? It, it, the dais is yours uh, right now. My Instagram is Roy Jones Jr. Official. Uh, Twitter is at Real Roy Jones Jr. 
And uh, I just want to say thank you to all the fans who have followed me and supported me throughout my career. It's been a great career. It was a way that God brought us all together. And I think we all should love God for that because without my career, a lot of us wouldn't know one another. And I just want to say thank you so much to God and thank you so much to all the people that did come out and support and that had love for me and the ones that even don't like me. I still want to say thank you guys for at least paying attention enough to not like me. And God bless you all, too. So I thank God for everything. I thank everybody for being involved. And I look forward to a wonderful exit fight coming tomorrow night. I wish you all the best in your fight at the Pensacola Bay Center tomorrow night on Thursday, February the 8th. Um, I wish to say God bless and thank you, Roy, for not just being the great champion you are, being the personality you are, being the fine commentator you are, but for mostly being humble in your greatness is what I find to be a true true quality in you. And I appreciate thank that, you, and I thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, bro. Thank you, brother. All right, Roy. You take care. Go get him, Roy. I'll see you soon. Right. Okay, brother. Bruce, I think we may have uh, opened the doors to more questions than maybe answered some. I mean, we had this retirement fight coming up with Roy Jones tomorrow night, which is today as people hear this. But honestly, I need this Anderson Silva fight, Bruce. I need it. I think we both need it because, you know, even though Anderson and Roy are past the peak points of their career, uh, the fact is, is they're two of the most famous people in their two respective sports, boxing and mixed martial right. arts. And also, too, I think it makes sense because of that, right? Like, we're not saying that Roy Jones Jr. versus Anderson Silva is for any sort of world championship in boxing. It's for the spectacle and the entertainment of two fantastic martial artists testing themselves against one another. Two fantastic fighters, one a martial artist. And I, I do agree with you. Both are uh, martial artists. Come on. If you're a boxer, you're still a martial artist. This is true. Absolutely. You know, historically speaking, you are correct in that. So both martial artists. So with that being said, you know, father time is father time. OK, mm -hmm. Randy Couture fought father time in MMA. Bernard Hopkins fought father time in boxing. And Roy Jones Jr. has been fighting father time in boxing. The bottom line is it's not what's on your driver's license. It's how well you perform. If you pass the medical, if you pass everything needed to be done and you stepped in the cage or you step in the square ring and you perform at your best as you've done as a champion for many years, then you have a right to still fight. As a fan, you know, there's, there's so many names in the UFC and in MMA that are retiring or not fighting anymore that we follow for years. The sport needs more names. It needs stars. So while it's gaining those stars as new up-and-comers are coming up in the UFC as an example, of which there are many, but they haven't reached that star status, million-mark pay-per-view status yet, why not bring in names from the past that everybody wants to see? If Anderson Silva can take care of all his stuff he's going through and get back and be able to fight per the commission, then I think Roy Jones and Anderson Silva, just like Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, is a fight that I would want to see for shite and giggles and also for seriously two fine, fine, fine pugilists, martial artists, whatever you want to call them, stepping in and doing what they do best. I'm watching. Hopefully, I'm announcing. We'll see what happens. You will be announcing, in, in my opinion. There's no reason you wouldn't be. It, it would really actually take a lot of it away if you weren't. Uh, he, here's the thing for me, and, and this is why – it makes the most amount of sense. And, and some people may say I'm a hypocrite saying, you know, I wasn't really on board the whole Mayweather-McGregor type of fight, especially because Connor, at this point in his career, to me, he should be defending his 155-pound title inside the Ultimate Fighting Championship. But where Anderson is at in his career, and I know he has some uh, stuff to deal with with the commission, like you said, but there really isn't left 
or anything left for Anderson to prove inside the UFC, just like there really isn't anything left for Roy Jones to prove in boxing. And that's why this fight makes so much sense in the boxing realm. And, and also, too, one thing that we would get now that we wouldn't have gotten before is, is a really good pre-fight hype uh, build. Anderson, when he was campaigning for this boxing match with Roy, Anderson really didn't speak much English. He was very uh, quiet uh, about you know his English ability. He didn't really want to do any interviews in English. Now you can't get the guy to be quiet. He's, he's really fan-friendly, loves talking with the media, speaking English. Uh, I think uh, the pre-fight bill, the press conference, while it wouldn't be the shenanigans of Mayweather-McGregor, uh, I think you'd still be just as entertained with Roy Jones Jr. and uh, uh, Anderson sitting the, up there on the dais. Well, you know, you know why you're going to be entertained because it goes back to the class factor where the class factor was shite with those press conferences promoting Connor and Mayweather. They were shite. You know how I feel about that. Yeah, on both sides, was, on both sides, both, on both sides here, Anderson and Connor, uh, excuse me, Anderson and Roy will walk out finely dressed as Connor did, but the suit doesn't make the man, the man makes the suit. What you're going to see is none of those antics. You're going to see a class act. You're going to see whatever. Now, people might say, well, great. Well, that's not going to sell the fight. They need to act like a-holes. No, they don't. Okay? It's like you either want to watch the fight or you don't, and you promote it in a proper way. And, okay? and, and, and I think I'm with you. Like, either you want to watch the fight or you don't. And if you're a true uh, fan of pugilism, there's a lot of reasons to, to want to see that fight. I mean, Anderson, yes, he's not the caliber of a boxer that Roy Jones is. But at the same time... Anderson has been the most elusive, evasive, hard-to-hit fighter that I can recall ever seeing in mixed martial arts. And who else? And who was that in boxing? As Roy Jones Jr. And, and, and who did—I'm and did, sorry to step on you, but there's a reason. Yeah. And who did Anderson— form his technique after he was emulating Roy Jones Jr. So why not let why not let the you know uh, I guess twice removed protege who never trained with Roy really uh, try to fight Roy you know he's he would be uh, essentially be giving Anderson Silva the opportunity to box his hero absolutely correct and let's hope it happens we got a lot to cover let's move forward and by the way Yours truly, meaning you, not me, you, right. <laughs> you truly, are the commentator for the event tomorrow night in, in Pensacola uh, with Roy Jones on Fight Pass. This is TJ DeSantis. Our listeners who have been following us for 10 years come May have been able to watch the progression of my career and also the career of TJ DeSantis. A next step in the TJ DeSantis career is happening tomorrow night as he commentates, not mixed martial arts like Invicta, commentates with Roy Jones, the boxing event with Roy Jones Jr., which also is partially uh mixed martial arts events too which is obviously the trend of the future we yeah it's a, we it's a, yeah it's a hybrid card it's called island fights 46 you can check it out uh live all part of your ufc fight pass subscription i'll be on the call with uh, former boxing lightweight champion nate campbell there you go now let's talk about what everybody wants to talk about or hear about or maybe heard enough of not just UFC 221 going down in Perth, down under on Saturday. We'll touch on that, too. I'll be down in Australia. I'm looking forward to seeing all my Australian friends and the great fans of Australia. I love Australia. It's an incredible country. Can't wait to go there. Uh, we'll do this real quick because I have a lot to talk about on the show. We've got Luke Rockhold and Yoel Romero going at it. Can't wait to see the return of Luke Rockhold against Yoel, the monster. Mark Hunt and Curtis Blades, let's face it, I can't wait for that. 
that's going to be pier six throwing, you know, throwing for the fences. Somebody's going to go down not easily in that one. A lot of fine fighters on the card all the way through. Uh, Master of Dong Young Kim's coming back. Uh, Lee Jing Liang, Jake Matthews. I always enjoy watching Jake Matthews fight Cyril Asker. There's a lot of fine fighters on this card. Very exciting. It is a pay per view. It's from Australia. You know, TJ, I leave tonight. I get to Australia on Friday at noon. I immediately get in the studio to do TV shows and interviews promoting uh, the event. Uh, then I go back. I get some rest. Saturday, I've got the day. But I've got to get up at 3 in the morning to 4 in the morning on Sunday because the first fight, Australian time, is 7 in the morning. And so it can be shown here in time for the five uh, the start that normally happens on pay-per-view. And then I catch a plane to come home. It is a grind. It's a whole day of flying back and down. I am not complaining. I love Australia. The two days I'll have there, I will have an absolute blast. I got to tell you, TJ, if I had one more day, and I can't because I'm so busy, I would go great white shark you know, into the cage with the great white sharks because in Perth, from what I understand, when you go out, it's not like some of these places you go to. You might have to go two or three times to see the great whites. It's like immediate. <laughs> They're right there. But I just don't have the time to do it, and I've got to get this done sooner or later. So I'm looking forward to UFC 221. But, TJ, the big talk this week, my Philadelphia Eagles flew away with the title. It was an unbelievable Super Bowl. It was probably, aside from my emotional ties to the, to the uh, Eagles, having been a, a fan since childhood living in Philadelphia, um, the greatest Super Bowl I ever saw. It was the greatest on so many different levels. The Super Bowls over the last five years have all been tremendous. This is the greatest Super Bowl, and I know I'm not alone in that opinion that I've ever seen. Uh, I thought last year's was better because it was the comeback story, but uh, as far as offense goes, this was not a boring Super Bowl. There were no lulls. No. I mean, the first half of last year's Super Bowl was a runaway by the Falcons, and unfortunately they collapsed. Uh, this Super Bowl, both teams had moments. Uh, I mean, really, both teams had opportunities, the same opportunities. You see... Uh, Nick Foles catch a pass and score a touchdown. Uh, the Patriots uh, tried to do the same sort of thing with Tom Brady. Brady wasn't able to catch the pass. Like This was just a fun trick play all over the place Super Bowl that uh, had you know points in abundance, and uh, it was not short on action. And also, too, there was still a comeback attempt by the Patriots, and they right. made it, and then they lost it. And the the missed field goal, excuse me, missed extra points, the missed field goal, all these played into the fact, you're right, that, that quarterback catch by Foles was like for the books. That was just like awesome. This was a Cinderella performance that has now made him a star. So the big question is, what is next for Nick Foles after this Super Bowl MVP performance? Now, here's, here's what I feel, okay? The Eagles signed Foles to a two-year, $11 million contract in March, hoping only that he serves as an insurance policy for Wentz, but he came through. He, we're talking about a man who considered retiring in 2016, but he came through when Wells, uh, Wentz blew his ACL. So now uh, he's slated to earn only $7 million as a backup quarterback in 2018. Who writes the contract? I would love to be the uh, the manager or the agent negotiating this deal. He's in an incredible position. Um, he could go to teams like the Arizona Cardinals because uh, Carson Palmer's retired. The Cleveland Browns, of course, could use him. The Jets, they never seem to get a quarterback that they stick with. A lot of people are talking about the fact that the Denver Broncos are looking to upgrade on Paxton Litch and Trevor Simeon. So we will see. Now, if you're an Eagles fan, here's what I think. If he was willing to retire last year, he is set for the Eagles – on a contract this year. I don't know what's in his contract. He may be allowed to renegotiate. Who knows? 
How motivated is Foles? He's humble in greatness also. He's not one of these ego-searching quarterbacks or athletes that's got to be in the headlines and be relevant all the time. Maybe the best thing for him to do is to take that cushy contract, try to up it a little bit, being the backup quarterback for Wentz, and sit on the bench and be part of his team as they move on. You know, I honest, I think that's what I would do. Yeah, it depends. If, the, it depends on the salary cap. I mean, if they're going to keep him as a starter or as a as a backup quarterback, they can't really upgrade his salary uh, by too much because it'll affect the the rest of their budget and how they can play. If it were baseball, absolutely. But when it comes to the NFL, the salary cap, the teams, it's a lot more math. It's a lot more yeah. uh, advanced uh, than than you know normal business dealings are perceived. I would like to see him stay. Um, the Eagles have to go with Wentz though. It's their first round draft pick. You got to give him his opportunity. Uh, I don't think you can sit him. Maybe you could sit him, you know, depending on how he does with camp. But if, if they can keep Nick Foles and Nick Foles is happy, uh, he, he deserves to stay there because I mean, what a year. Here's the other part of the equation that we're not tallying on the endorsements that Nick Foles will receive over the next six months. Oh yeah. My, my guesstimate will exceed the seven to $10 million dollars that he can make next season. So with that being said, why go out, bust your body up if you're thinking you only got a couple years left, sit there, God forbid, once goes down again for any certain reason, and it's the same scenario all over, and stay in the city of love, which now, which is Philadelphia's uh, moniker. Which he'll never stay have the, to buy a, a beer or a meal again, that man. This man will never buy a cheesesteak as long as he lives, yeah. and if he does, then that business should go out of business because Nick Foles has the keys of the city that he was given. He was having the keys of the city given to him the week before the Super Bowl by the mayor. That was already planned from what I read. So now he is the man. Now, if I was the man in an area that I love living, I don't want to leave. It's like me thinking about leaving the UFC. Somebody could come across and write me a seven figure you know, offer. I'm not saying I haven't been approached, but why would I want to leave the UFC? Unless right. I really, really, if the money makes that much of a difference. I live for the UFC, and that's the way I am. He should make that decision himself and then uh, graciously go off into retirement with plenty of money to live the rest of his life with. But that's just an outside opinion. He's the one that's going to make that. He is God, He is the, meaning he's the governor of his own destiny, G-O-D. We'll see what he decides in his life. Yeah. Now, you know, you know what a really bad day hmm. on the Super Bowl? A bad day? Patriots fans? Rob Gronkowski. Oh, yeah, I saw this, Bruce. Rob Gronkowski. When is this going to end? Uh, you know what? I don't want to go in who else is susceptible to this, but God forbid they even try. They're going to be in for a rude awakening. And I'm not even going to go into what I mean by that, but you can figure it out what I'm about to say. Rob Gronkowski is playing the Super Bowl out of town, and his home was hit by burglars. They went through every single room in his house. They removed safes. Luckily, one of his key rooms, I think his bedroom, was locked, so hopefully they missed a bunch of stuff in there. But he made the 911 call. He came home. He's at the Super Bowl. Dejected enough, re you know, rejected enough after the loss. Great performance by him. You can knock, knock every bit of blood, sweat, and tears he put on the, on the uh, turf that day. But he goes home, and his house is robbed. Wow. Talk about having a bad weekend. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. If you are someone that is on television, you uh, you need to have someone in place. So when it's obvious and apparent that you're not home, uh, that your valuables are taken care of. And, and you've, you've alluded to some things that, uh, you know, like you said, you know, rude awakenings, like uh, people just need to be smart. And I, I just, I don't know how someone like Rob Gronkowski doesn't have something like this uh, in place. It, it just, it baffles me. 
Well, you know what I was talking about. If somebody ever try, if I'm out of town and somebody ever tries to come to my house <clears throat> with everything that I have here, um, guns are going to be pointed at their head within five minutes. Right. Less or less. Yeah. And not just one. That's all I'm going to say. Period. So that's called having an alarm system that works. Right. Not to mention the lines that you just like let roam your house. <laughs> Panthers, baby. Right. Panthers. Right. All right, so now, you know, the Olympics are coming up, the Winter Olympics, and already there's talk about the Olympics, and already it's negative. And it's not negative because of the athletes. It's not negative because of uh, Russia being banned. It's not negative because of, you know, whatever's happening in the news. It's negative because the military has been deployed because the norovirus outbreak hit the Winter Olympic security guards. 900 military personnel has been deployed because 1,200 not just 12, 1,200 security guards were pulled from duty after the norovirus outbreak at the Winter Olympics. Suddenly, organizers said 41 security guards suffered a sudden onset of vomiting and diarrhea on Sunday and were taken to the hospital. This is really weird, TJ. It's almost like it's not that ate- weird. It's not that well, weird. I-, I had the norovirus last year. Oh, you it did? is incredibly contagious. Uh, basically, so th- this is the worst. I, I- if you're eating and you want to hear this story, stop eating or come back to the podcast later. So what I'm about to tell you is, is really, really disgusting. Wait, let me let me put my <clears throat> let me put my oatmeal over here. Yeah, okay, go ahead. do that. So my son was taking swimming lessons last year and uh, someone at his pool at the the school that they do swimming lessons at. Uh, there was an accident. We didn't know what kind of accident. We just knew that the pool was shut down for the day. Well, what we found out is someone in the pool that was, you know, a student uh, had a little bit of a, a runny incident inside the pool. They cleaned the pool, but you can't you can't kill that virus like that. It's incredibly durable. So when my son went back to swimming lessons, he went in the water. He got the norovirus. Then my wife got the norovirus. Then I got the norovirus. It is the worst illness I have ever had to deal with outside of mono, which I'm actually just getting over now. Um, it was three days, Bruce, of just being stuck in my bed. Either you're going to have massive vomiting or massive diarrhea. I don't know which one is better. I got the vomiting part. Um, it, it was it was the worst, the worst kind of stomach pain. Well, I'm sorry to hear about that, and I hope next year you're this year you're virus free, or next year, or however it works out. But all these security guards can look forward to coming back to work because the Olympic Village has been supplied with 110,000 condoms. Uh, so now they, yeah. they, they can stop puking and crapping, and they can start doing something else. They the Now, you wonder, with the greatest bodies in the world and some of the most attractive people in the world, as everybody's attractive in their own right, they're not abstaining from sex at the Olympics, obviously. The 110,000 condoms that have been supplied is 10,000 more than the number that was doled out to athletes during the previous Olympics in Sochi, Russia. And only about 100 more athletes are participating in this games. So if they base it on 100 more athletes means 10,000 more condoms, then roughly those 100 more athletes are probably doing the beautiful deed 100 times while they're there. <laughs> I just did the math. <laughs> so it's, if you got nothing else to do, you work out, you got the fitness center, you got around the clock dining, a media center, uh, dedicate multi areas of worship, and of course, your condoms are free. Must be a fun time at the Olympics. I think Rhonda pointed out yeah. when she was at the Olympics. I think she said that a lot of that does go on. And of course, they're healthy people. Why not? Right, and they're in the best shape of their lives as well. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the the big thing. Um, uh, what I'm worried about going back to the norovirus is what athletes have it already. I'm telling you, somebody has it. It's it's too contagious. Not. 
Well, let's just hope. Uh, when do the games actually start? Uh, I believe the opening ceremonies is Thursday night, so as people hear this tonight, and then uh, Friday, uh, first games. All right, well, hopefully that's not going to be the case, and let's just hope for the best. So let's go on to some other stories. And I love the Winter Olympics. So beautiful to watch. So beautiful. I wish the best for all these athletes. Um, skeletons are still flying. Who will ever work in this town again? The big news from last week is that Steve Wynn, the CEO of the Wynn Resort, uh, he stepped down now as the CEO of the Wynn, uh, Wynn Resort. Multiple claims of sexual harassment are being thrown at him. We will see. I've heard rumors over the years. There's no reason to say they're they're true, but uh, it's very interesting to see how this plans out. And a man, again, who built so much, and in the end, in the twilight of his career, it's all going to be taken away in this image-ruining situation. So um, that's a big story. This is a very powerful man. And now he stepped down immediately as a result. Also, the University of Pennsylvania, which has got enough of their own problems, but they just revoked the honorary degrees for two people that they have given out, one being Steve Wynn, the other being Bill Cosby. So they went ahead and made that decision this week, and that's done there. So that's our Skeletons are Flying story for the week. Uh, film and TV. Did you ever watch Walker, Texas Ranger? Of course, yeah. Yeah, Chuck Norris has been a friend of mine for many, many, many years. I started in Tangsudo, Tangsudo, excuse me, uh, the Korean art that he excelled in when he was in the Air Force in Korea. Uh, due to my association and, and meeting of his fighting partners back when I first moved to California, who I started training with, um, I have a lot of history. Uh, six degrees of separation with Chuck. And he's one of the finest people I've ever met in my life. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a brief story about Chuck for a minute of this. Um, I was at my dentist's office and Chuck walked in, who was also one of his patients. And so we start talking, talking and Chuck says, yeah, you know, this kickboxing at the Palladium tonight in LA, do you want to go? And I said, I'd love to go. I'd love to take my brother and go. He goes, great. Um, I'll have two tickets at the, uh, at the VIP or the will call window for you. So Brian and I get there. We get our tickets. Not only did he have two tickets in the first row, he had two tickets sitting right beside him. Just a gentleman. Oh, wow. Beyond a gentleman. Always, always a gentleman. What a night so that, that was, I bet. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, I had a lot of, tons of kickboxing because I was so into it back then. But uh, it was an awesome, awesome night. Because, listen, before I ever met Chuck, I was a huge fan. He's like an idol. He's one of the reasons I got into martial arts. And obviously, as a childhood uh, hero, it was incredible sitting there with him and breaking bread. He is suing. CVS and Sony for $30 million um, over his Walker, Texas Ranger profits. Walker, Texas Ranger is one of the most profitable TV shows uh, ever on TV, as many have been. But he's claiming he's being cheated out of his revenue share. Now, that Walker's Texas Ranger, uh, he was supposed to get 23% of the profits. And basically, it hasn't been out, uh, been filmed since like 2004. So he's claiming that all the money he was due from 2004 on, he hasn't gotten it. Now he's suing. He wants at least $30 million to make it right. And you know what? If they screwed him on that and that was in the contract, then he deserves all that money. Yeah, you got to honor your contract. I mean, there's no two ways about that. Exactly. Now, I'll be the first one to say that I always love the fight scenes in Chuck's films and everything. But trained eyes like ours know that there's a lot of non-realistic fighting going on. But it worked in the movies. And there's realistic fighting combined, too. God knows it was Chuck Norris. I, could, I couldn't ever not watch it. It was great. 
Were you a fan of Walker, Texas Ranger? Because I used to watch the show personally for an hour only to see the couple of fight scenes when he does a, a spinning heel hook or, you know, one of his, you know, roundhouse kicks or whatever to take the bad guys out. That's really what I was waiting for the entire show. Right. Did yeah. you? I, I, I watch it when I would uh, spend time with my grandparents. They were big fans and uh, they didn't have cable television. And, you know, back in the day, if you didn't have cable television, you really didn't have uh, an option. Uh, it was either what was on television or what was, you, you know, something that you were going to go you know, throw in the, the VCR and, uh, they had it on CBS all the time and I watched it and, uh, I didn't mind it. You know, I loved it looking back on it now. I think it seems kind of hokey and, and cheeky, but that almost makes it, uh, more novel in a, in a certain way. Yeah. It's kind of like watching the $6 million man that was originally done, you know, back then too, the, the shows, they run their course, you know, but right. it, it's, it's still, it's Chuck Norris and we, we can go through a whole list of Chuck Norris. Uh, jokes, which are all incredible if we had the time. Let's talk about something here and end the show with um, on a health note. Uh, do you drink alcohol, TJ? Very, 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 very rarely, like less than three times a year. Okay. Oh, really? Well, that's like not even drinking. Right. So I, I enjoy alcohol on a weekly basis, but it's more in the course of wine with my dinner right. <clears throat> and an occasional little shot of bourbon or scotch to make the uh, evening go smooth on, you know, before I go to bed. Uh, but that's it. I'm not a big, I'm not a big drinker at all. So now a lot of us do drink. Too many of us drink a lot. So I'm going to give you some statistics here as we go down. This is a health note, folks. Take note of this right now, please. Worldwide, each person 15 years or older consumes 13.5 grams of pure alcohol per day. Okay? Consider that nearly half the world doesn't drink at all. That leaves the other half drinking up their shares. That's a lot of drinking. Um, the majority of the world drinks liquor. Americans prefer beer. Uh, the Beverage Marketing Corporation tracks these things. In 2017, Americans guzzled about 27 gallons of beer or 216 pints, 2.6 gallons of wine, and 2.2 gallons of spirits per drinking age adult. That seems pretty excessive when you think about it. Um, Americans are lightweights, though. The numbers from the World Health Organization shows other countries drink tremendously more, such as Lithuania, Belarus, Czech Republic, Croatia, Bulgaria. They can all drink us under the table. It's funny. They're all in that eastern area block. Um, so, in fact, if they measure leaders drunk by anybody over eight, uh, 15, the U.S. ranks 36 in the category of the most, like, slosh nation or nation that drinks the most. Austria is sixth. France is ninth, of course, because of wine. Ireland, I'm surprising enough, 15th because they drink more beer. And the U.K. ranks 18th. So who drinks the least amount in the world? It's Arab countries. Right. Right. Of now, course. now, here's the thing. Alcohol has what we call empty calories from a health standpoint. There is nothing healthy in alcohol except for the statins in red wine. People can argue that. But the bottom line is you're drinking a lot. For example, a standard drink of beer is a 12 ounce can for malt liquor. It's eight to nine fluid ounces. A standard drink of red wine is about five fluid ounces. Light beer used to come in at 100 calories, where regular beer averaged about 153 calories, right, per 12-fluid-ounce can or bottle. Right. That's the same as eating two or three Oreo cookies. Might not seem like a lot, but it adds up. Right. Beer, beer calories are all about alcohol content, carbohydrate level. Ton of carbs, uh, right? Ton of carbs, but these, again, are empty calories. Right. They're hard. So, for instance, liquor, gin, rum, vodka, tequila, and whiskey – cost you about 97 calories per 1.5 fluid ounces, which is basically a shot, okay, mm -hmm. uh, give or take. That's without mixers. An average margarita, 168 calories, while a pina colada weighs in, a, always the biggest, pina colada, 
490 calories, which is about the same as a McDonald's quarter pounder. And they're not big drinks. I mean, that's insane. Like if you have if you're if you're drinking and you're drinking pina coladas, uh, first off, you'd probably better be on a beach if you're a man. But second off, uh, you drink like what, four or five of them? It's not like it's not like you're going to have like one or two and you're having a party like people go ham on those kind of drinks. So you're I think about how many quarter pounders that is. That's insane. Well, on another note, if you're watching your weight, I'll give you a little example of how to watch your weight. If you're a man, take your body weight, times it, multiply it by 11. That total reflects the amount of calories you can have on a daily basis that will not that where you will not gain or lose any weight. As a woman, you multiply that figure times 12. Now, Sorry, ladies. Over, the, over the course of a week, 3,500 calories taken in will gain one pound of body fat. Okay, if it's excessive beyond your median level, 3,500 calories less than that median level over the course of a week, meaning you got to multiply the level times seven, um, you will lose one pound. When people go on diets, which again, I always say the first three letters is die, D-I-E, when you go on diets, because they don't last, and most people gain more weight after they go off the diet than when they went on. Um, You've got to be careful with that because you have to be consistent for the rest of your life. So you need to find a nutritional program that works for you to maintain your health and your energy and your well-being. Um, you have to be very careful about that because alcohol, like you said, the pina coladas, right? How many times do you lie by the pool or the beach? It is not difficult to drink two or three pina coladas. Well, I think that's like a minimum. I mean, if you're going to be out all day and you're partying to where you're going to have some drinks and you're drinking pina coladas, like it's going to be a long night. And uh, yeah, I don't know. So uh, so with that being said, if you have three pina coladas on a Saturday and three pina coladas on a Sunday, lying out at the pool of your favorite hotel or your favorite house or wherever the hell you're at, right? That's 3,000 plus calories right there. You've gained one pound. Yeah, you can't even eat anything else. Like, that's no, it. It's over. That's it. You're done. Um, you're done. One thing on the calorie count, Bruce, I mean, you're talking to a guy who maybe didn't do it necessarily the right way, but I lost like 80 pounds. You know, I, I just I starved myself and ran essentially. But uh, when you eat clean, I know that you know 2,000 calories, it sounds like if, you, if, you, if you've never watched your diet, 2,000 calories doesn't sound like a lot of food, uh, especially when you start reading the labels. If you eat clean, though, I, I had a hard time making 1,500 calories in a day when I was eating things like fresh vegetables and salads and stuff. Like I would have to eat almonds just to get enough – uh, fat and 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 get the calories up because I was I was coming in too short and if you come in too short when you're on a diet your body's metabolism slows down and then you stop losing weight altogether. Absolutely true. The body's metabolism is like a muscle. In order to build that muscle, you need to train and you need to train at least three or four times a week to do it properly. In my opinion, uh, the metabolism is the same thing. You need to eat properly, three to five meals properly spaced out during the day to exercise your metabolism. Eating one meal a day, less calories, will not make you thin. It will make you fat because your body will react in a different way. Uh, going on to the effects of alcohol, the things you can look forward to if you're a binge drinker, you can look forward to being linked to heart attacks. Binge drinking is heavily linked to heart attacks. It's linked to heart disease. It's linked to cancer. Another issue that is caused uh, between alcohol is diabetes. There's a lot of sugar in alcohol. So you are, you're, you're secreting insulin to regulate your body's sugars, but too much alcohol inflames the pancreas, which is what is responsible for secreting that insulin, therefore a direct link to potential diabetes. Also, alcohol is not a happy uh, a pill or drink or however you want to put it. Alcohol is a depressant. Drinking can drown your mood. 
It, it doesn't seem that way when you're partying, but just uh. the drink. De- it's a drink depressing part of the brain we use to control our actions. The more you drink, the more your negative emotions, such as anxiety, anger, and depression, can take over. Therefore, that's why there's such a thing as called bad drunks, because right. that's exactly what's happening. I mean, binge drink. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, I just I think that personally. Um, it is a depressant, but drinking makes a lot of people super happy. But like when you're saying, if you've met one bad drunk, you never want to meet another one again. It's the worst. It, ma- it makes them super happy till they wake up the next morning hungover as shite, and it's like they're not very happy then, are they? Binge drinking and drinking a lot in one sitting is associated with higher levels of A, depression, B, self-harm, suicide, and violent offending. As Brian Buffer, my retired police officer, wonderful brother, said, I never broke up a fight. Because two people just smoked a joint. He broke up fights because of drinking. That was the major cause of a lot of things. And drinking is a lot worse for the human body than smoking marijuana as we preach the legality of marijuana on the show. Whether we do it or not, which neither one of us claim we do, the fact is if you look at the stats, you can see the benefits of marijuana versus the benefits of excessive drinking. I'm not talking about drinking. Excessive drinking. That's the point. Then how you look. How many people do you know that drink excessively as they age hold their looks? My answer, very, very few. Okay? It affects the body in many different ways. Above all, last but not least, your liver. Your liver can reproduce itself, but excessive drinking can create cirrhosis of the liver. You want to live less of a life, less of a healthy life, die an early life? Pound down those beers. Pound down that booze excessively. I'm not talking about intelligent drinking and pleasure drinking. I'm talking about excessive drinking. So be careful out there. We care about you on It's Time Radio. That's why I'm talking about all this. With that being said, I'm done with the show. I've got to run. i got to go train for a couple hours. i got to get on a plane to Australia. So, TJ, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah. Well, tonight, uh, as people hear this, head over to UFCFightPass.com. Uh, I believe the bouts start at uh, 7 Central, 8 in the East. That would be 5 Pacific. It is the swan song, or is it for Roy Jones Jr.? Uh, he takes on Scott Sigmund tonight, and uh, I don't know. Maybe if he wins, we'll be talking about a potential Anderson Silva Roy Jones Jr. fight down the road. I hope so. Let me practice something. Roy Jones Jr. Oh, that's good. That. That's good though. That's good. Yeah, you're not even warmed up. I know. Well, I hate to, I hate to rehearse. You know that, but I gave it one try. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, TJ. Thanks very much. We'll be back next week with another special guest on this time radio. Everybody. I wish you all the best of the week. I'm going down under to Australia, which I love. I wish you all the best. Be the best you can be. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Be honest. Be strong. Be respectful. Pick that path. Research that path. Be the best you can be on that path in life. Why? It's all about winning. That's what we talk about in It's Time Radio because it's time to win. Now do it. Good luck, everybody. Love you all. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news. Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in-store or at Safeway.com. 
Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news! Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in store or at Safeway.com.